If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Alyssa Explains It All. Um, I'm really excited for today's guest. We have Sin Sage on the pod. And I remember the day that we booked this interview because I've seen Sin Sage's work before. And it's one of those names where it's been a really interesting experience since the show aired because I've had to sort of reintroduce myself as someone who is a part of the sex education and sex industry so it's also been funny when i've been talking about who we've scheduled these recordings with and the names that light up people's faces and sin sage was one where there were a few friends and people that i know where i would say oh i have this interview with sin sage and before i even explain that she is a lesbian porn star who specializes in kink the people who I could see on their face that they knew exactly who she was. I was like, hmm, we've had a conversation that uh, you you don't think we have, but I've learned a lot about you in this moment in time. And it's been, <laughs> it's been like one of my favorite parts of transitioning into this whole line of work. But the conversation that we had spanned a whole bunch of different areas. We talked about the porn industry and how much it changed so much since things like OnlyFans and like the way that even like Pornhub operates now is really different. But Sin is also bisexual in a long-term relationship and does her work either with only women or with her partner, which is so interesting. She also owns all of the the work that she creates now. So instead of creating the work with a company like Brazzers, which I'm sure you all are familiar with, or through Pornhub, she creates and produces and directs every single piece of her own work and sells it individually. So she has a really interesting perspective on things like ethical porn, and supporting individual creators and why that's really important. And the conversation got so deep that we were even talking about like how people use porn as sex education. Like we do, we, I think that that's not really the goal for everyone, but that's how we end up learning because our, our sex ed is just simply not up to par. And it's not for any sex ed that we do get is not for pleasure. It's simply for protection and safety. And so we turn to porn for the things that have to do with pleasure, especially when you're entering the kink space. And so we talk about how we just could be educating people more on what what sex should look like in kink spaces and, and otherwise. But she's an incredible entrepreneur. She's so smart and fun. And we had the best conversation. It went in so many different directions. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. So without further ado, here is our interview with Sin Sage.
went to the Museum of Sex recently. Have you have you been there before? The one in New York City? Yes. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. When you went, did they have a little and we'll work I promise I actually have questions and I'm not gonna spend all day talking about random things. Oh no, it's fine. They had this like thing that's like a porn simulator and you put your face in this little thing and it takes a picture and then it puts you in like a a porn. <laughs> and it is the <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen and I just fully forgot that like that's literal porn and so I took a video of it and put it on my Instagram story and I just like didn't even think about it and then Instagram was like hey "Mm -mm." (laughs) they were like hi you can't do that (laughs) yeah Yeah. and then I was like oh I forgot I forgot that's not for everybody well, and that's the thing is, you know, unfortunate thing about Instagram is that, you know, for people who aren't actually a part of the adult industry and create porn, mm-hmm. you can get a slap on the wrist and they'll you'll keep your account and it'll be fine. But if you are actually in porn, it's like they, they'll they just shut your account down at the drop like of a hat all the time. Yeah. So yeah. it's... It's always been frustrating for us, you know, when we see like Kim Kardashian's posts where you can see her boobs and for some reason that's mm-hmm. okay. But I show like my fat butt and they're like, mm, no. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. And it's just, I, know. I don't like things that are unequal. Totally <laughs> understand. And one of the questions that we got was like, was about how the industry changed so much, especially in the past, like 10, 15 years with all yeah. the social media that's come up. And yeah. even like OnlyFans becoming a thing. And, mm-hmm. and there was a period of time where there were some celebrity, like Bella Thorne, I mean, kind of like a yeah. celebrity light, ruining what that platform was meant for. And so one of the questions that we had was, how do you feel about how the industry has changed? Well, actually, I guess we should back up because okay. when did you start working in the industry? Because I guess that would show like, you know, the different oh, yeah. arc in the change. So I have been a sex worker for 20 years and (laughs) the first time I did a photo shoot, like a nude photo shoot was in 2002. And then I was mostly a stripper, like a dancer, but um, I was actively trying to get my way into the um, movie industry, the video adult video industry. And so probably my first porn would have my first video porn would have been 2003. Wow. Okay. At least that long. (laughs) So then that, that was a probably around the time where social media really started to become a thing, like, or it would have been shortly after that. It was after that. So like MySpace was the first social media that I really Mm -hmm. remember happening. And so Mm -hmm. that was like 2004 or five. Um, And then, I mean, I would say the biggest shift from my experience being in porn definitely happened like when Pornhub started to pick up steam and get really popular. So it was like around 2011 Mm -hmm. and that was like, okay, now uh, things are changing. And at the time it was really frustrating, Mm -hmm. but I find that most things in life that seem frustrating at the time as time goes by, there's almost always a silver lining. And with this particular shift, at first it hurt because it was like, all of this porn is getting stolen now. And so these companies that hire me are hiring 
fewer models and shooting less often and stuff like that, because now that income is being stolen from these major companies. But what ended up happening because of that is I was like, I knew of people um, creating their own content and like sometimes they'd hire me maybe to make fetish content or something like that. Um, and, sh- and I had a couple of emails that had been, you know, asking me like, do I make custom videos? And I just realized like 2011 ish, it was just like, I think I need to get on that train, you know, like I need mm-hmm. to get myself a little camera. So on my wish list, I put a little, you know, handy cam at the time. It was like a Sony handy cam was so cheap and crappy. And I got yeah, myself like one light that was like $25 from Amazon. I mean, it was just like the lowest level of shit. But then I asked a friend to help me um, teach me how to edit. And once I had one, two, three, like those items, it was like, well, now I can start shooting for myself. That grew over time. So even this is obviously like way before OnlyFans even, but I was already now making my own content, making my own custom videos that I can charge customers for like a few hundred to several hundred dollars um, or more. And then that started shifting where it's like, okay, now I can afford to buy better lights. Now I can afford to buy a better camera and everything kind of grew from there you know, my partner, who's my husband now at the time we were just dating, but I was like, I'm going to need you to shoot this stuff for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I taught him what I knew about shooting camera because I used to shoot camera for another producer friend that I had. Then I taught him how to edit based on what I was taught. And then he kind of got even better than I was than I am at those things and was able to basically like quit his job so that he could work full time like with me. And so that grew into like now it's basically like a company, you know, I've got my own production company that's the two of us and we full time create custom videos or um, we do content trades and we just come up with our own like movies and ideas. And now the biggest thing is that rather than me lending myself out to a company and getting paid one flat day rate for my performance. I'm the owner of my content. And when you're the owner of things, you have that income coming all the time. And so it went from being like, Oh no, Pornhub is ruining the industry to being like, well, actually it just motivated me to do the thing that I needed to do to like step up my career basically. Yeah. So you, you figured out how to like game the whole system. Like you gamed the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, basically, I mean, you know, and I, I want people to understand too, that like, still, if you're talking about companies like adult time or browsers Mm -hmm. or whatever, like those companies still have a ton of capital to invest in their productions. And so they've got like insane expensive cameras and everything looks awesome. And there's always these cool locations, you know, like we're what I call like a very indie company. So, mm-hmm. you know, I only have, I can only invest like what the customer has paid. And I try to keep things, um, you know, reasonably affordable for customers to be able to make, to, to buy these uh, videos, these custom videos. Um, so everything's going to look, you know, the stuff that I make is never going to look like browsers or whatever, but um, right. I find that like, not always super important. No, you're good. (laughs) Well, I was going to say one of the things that has come up a lot with my followers and even just part of like my own journey is finding ways to support 
ethical ethically made porn and when you're when you're browsing something especially if you're looking at something and it's free yep you know that's sort of like that should tell you something about the way that those videos are being procured and now we have subscriptions to like like no one person has one subscription to things to things like you have netflix you have hulu you have hbo you have all these things it should just sort of be like one of those other subscriptions that you have because at the end of the day you're watching people do things that are like vulnerable and put people in vulnerable situations it's it's so different than like sharing like a Netflix password. I'm like, those actors are fine. (laughs) They're fine. You know, you're watching them like on a big set. Yeah. Like they're they're You're watching them on a big set. Like it's, you know, of course it's, it's better if if everyone can pay for their own things, it's better for every industry and whatever. But especially when you're watching something like porn, yeah. Like what, what a great place to actually buy your own subscription to. I want to make that a distinction. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because like, For example, if you give someone your Netflix password, and so now Netflix is missing out on like $12 a month from some person, Mm -hmm. they are a multi-billion dollar company, okay? They're not going to be hurt. When you you as a consumer um, go on tube sites and you're only watching that, so you're watching Sin Sage on all these free tube sites, that you are taking money out of my pocket. You are taking dinner off my table. Like, mm-hmm. and I am not a multi-billion dollar company. <laughs> like I'm right. honestly, I'm like on the level with most people, you know, right. I just right there in the middle class. Like it's, I think oftentimes too, that people think when they see you on a TV screen, the same place where they're watching that other stuff, they're mm-hmm. thinking, oh, well, they must be made also making millions or hundreds of thousands or whatever, just because they're there on my TV. So, and like, that is just not the case. You know, when people talk about ethical porn, I think they're not exactly sure even what they mean (laughs) sometimes. Mm -hmm. So there's almost like two different sides of ethical porn. Um, One is, are the people who are performing in it and creating it, are they being compensated for what they're doing? And the other one is, are they being like treated well and Mm -hmm. they're doing these things because they want to be doing them. So on the one side, I say definitely like if you're only consuming your porn and your sexual entertainment for free, then you are the one being unethical. And for that situation, what I recommend is using the free porn to kind of like do your research and figure out who you like whose performances you enjoy, and then take that and go find those people. Find their Twitter, find their OnlyFans, for fuck's sake, please. We have uh, clip stores now if we're like models and producers. So we have manyvids.com and clipsforsale.com. And there are a few more too that are coming up um, and that people use. Go to those places and purchase the clips that this star that you enjoy their work that they're making so that they can make the profit from it. When you're watching on tube sites, these motherfuckers are making the profit and we are making nothing. So like gamma or whatever, like just these, well, I don't want to speak badly about gammas there. It's a fine line, but um, (laughs) I'm just talking about like Manwin or whatever, like Pornhub, the owners of these companies that like host these um, free tube sites 
they're getting all this advertisement money, you know, um, Mm -hmm. from like these weird sites like Spank Bang and shit like that. Like, yes, people who have nothing to do with the industry are profiting. Whereas those Mm -hmm. of us who live in the industry create the actual porn, we get nothing. Right. So um, now I want to say Pornhub has shifted a little bit so that we do make some small revenue based off the views, like the ad revenue from the views. And that is very small, but that is something since they lost the ability to accept credit cards because it used to be like another clip store too. We could sell our content there, but since, you know, the religious right and the anti-porn um, crusade got a hold of the credit card companies and told them like, you need to not let Pornhub use your services anymore. And so that actually fucked us over more than wow. Pornhub. So then on the other side of that, we're talking about, is it being created ethically, right? Most of the people that get into this business do so because they want to. <laughs> like we enjoy what we do. We're happy mm-hmm. to have the freedom that we have with our lives, the control over our own lives. Um, and, you know, I am someone who has been lucky enough to almost never have had a terrible experience on set. Part of that might be too that I've only, I've always only ever worked with women. So I, I've never done um, like boy girl porn. And, and there is a difference for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, but even if there are a, a handful of people who are like, I'm just doing this because I want to get to a certain place. I don't really like it, but it's what I'm going to do. You know, over 20 years of being in this industry, I have only met like less, like a handful, literally of, of people who are just like, eh, I'm not enthusiastic about this, but it's a job, right? Man, I could go off on that too. I mean, that being said, how many people work jobs they hate just so they can make money? Like, it's really not different. <laughs> of course. And I had this, we had this conversation earlier today with Brielle Day, who does camming. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how a lot of, of like, and she does a lot of requests. Yeah, like customs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> like what is the phrase um yeah. and she said you know obviously some of it is sexual but a lot of it isn't and a lot of it is is just people want a human connection and really that's like a big part of the whole experience that people miss along the way is you're you're taking even for these people who are I mean they're all bogged down in religion and politics and and whatever yeah. it is but at exactly. the end of the day like sexuality is part of our human experience and so for you to take it and demonize it is is so like it's so absurd to me like there there are cave paintings of porn yeah you aren't stopping people from doing what they want to do you're just making it infinitely more dangerous for for people who work in this industry to do it and making I mean, it dangerous, less sustainable. Like, yeah. and even for like the people who are, who are underage, like it is so alarming to go on Pornhub and see how many of the people are like advertised as being like barely 18. And I'm like, yeah. but is she even 18? I don't know. Right. And that's well, concerning too. Sure. Now, part of that shift with Pornhub that I was just talking about is that everyone who uploads to Pornhub now, so it used to just be a free-for-all. If some teenager was having sex with his teenage girlfriend and they filmed each other with their phones, they could just upload it to Pornhub. And they're not 18, right? Since that 
big change happened with Pornhub, every single person that uploads has to be a verified user. All that means is that you have to open an account, put a little screen name in and show them your IDs and put it next to your face. And they've even got like facial scanning software now. I mean, they're like high tech with all this to make sure that everyone that you see is over 18. I, first of all, want that to not be a concern for people uh, who are watching porn that's either... Now, I can't speak to those other like random tube sites because there's fucking Mm -hmm. thousands of them. But if you are watching on Pornhub, if you are watching on many vids or clips for sale or OnlyFans, there is so much verification that happens. Like, I promise you are never watching someone who is under 18. And these these uh, crusaders, you know, they, they like to use that as their like number one meaty, you know, point. And it's just like, that is um, a thing of the past at this point. Like, it's just not happening. It's so strict now. Like every single clip I upload, I have to have the IDs. I have to have the perfectly filled out model releases, the 2257s, like every single clip I upload. Um, And that even on OnlyFans, doesn't matter where it's going. It has to have all that information. So I feel like we're really, when it comes to the entertainment aspect of this, the videos and camming and this kind of stuff, like we've got the ID verification on lockdown for sure. That's very good to hear. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like the least of the worries. I just feel like the Crusaders, like their main goal, their main fucking goal is to end porn. And the truth is, you know, just like abortions, just like, you know, people having wild, crazy, kinky sex that they hate, you're just never going to get rid of these things. Like you can push them underground, you can make them more dangerous. I mean, this is just about sex work in general, whether Mm -hmm. you're an in-person sex worker, full service, whether like no matter what it is you're doing, you're just a stripper, like it doesn't matter. They hate it all. They want it gone. And it's never going to be gone. It's just going to be made illegal, more scary, more dangerous. And um, the fact is that it's toxic. It's negative. But they won't listen to reason. (laughs) So certainly not. Yeah. So uh, back to the ethical porn thing. I think just like. Again, the main thing is like, please pay for it. Please support um, individually the creators that you like. They're everywhere. I promise you can find them on Twitter. You can find them on Instagram. You can find out where they sell their stuff and then go and like pay for their stuff. You know, most clips in my clip stores are like 10 to 20 bucks and 20 bucks is like the more expensive end of things. So then you just, you know, you're actually supporting like a human being. So like I can eat and I can pay rent and like, (laughs) that's all I'm getting out of this, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's also nice because if you're following people who are creators, you know, you like you, you can guarantee that what you're going to see is also going to be more along the lines of what you're looking for anyway. Yeah, which is nice, yeah. too. Yeah. And I love that so many people are thinking about what's ethical, you know, and I just in my 20 years experience being in this industry, like, everything is done pretty much ethically. It's all like, if I don't want to be doing it, I don't do it. If I want to do it, and I love it, I'm doing it. Like, I'm the one in control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that was one of the questions that people had asked me also is um, if you could reject things that you didn't want to do. And now you obviously are producing and writing everything that you're doing now. But before that, even, did you feel like you were given the freedom to be like, no? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I always felt like that. 
um, personally. And I know there are some people who like, I've always had a very strong personality, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I encountered a situation that made me feel weird, I could just be like, you know, I'm not doing that. And I know that people who don't have a strong personality still get in this industry. And maybe they might feel like they got pressure to do something they didn't want to do. And I hate that for them. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, a part of being in any industry or living in this world is, you know, you have to be able to stand up for yourself and say what you want and what you don't want. I know we tried to do some mentoring thing, like have a program that was like mentoring new people in the industry. Unfortunately, it never, it kind of like fell apart. But, you know, I like to think too now with like Twitter and all these ways to communicate with each other. It's like, you know, if someone's new and they're encountering this thing and they're like, I don't know though, is this okay? Is that okay? It's like, go on Twitter and ask the adult industry, you know, hey, porn people, like, is this okay? I'm new to the industry. And you'll have everybody just being like, no, that's not okay. (laughs) Or like you need, if if you're not okay with it, you tell them no, you know, and like get that encouragement and that support. Because that is one thing about the business too, is that all of us who are performers and or creators, we are really supportive. We are not competitive. We are not like stepping on other people so that we can get to the top. Like you just don't have to do that anymore. There there's, enough for everyone (laughs) it's just like how how hard do you hustle for yourself you know Um, Mm -hmm. that's so rare in spaces where people are individual creators that there's that level of support so it's nice to feel that especially in in an industry that's not as openly talked about to know that like there is still that whole like support system is really really nice oh yeah I feel like a family that's so lovely. <laughs> I love that. That's like, that makes, it makes like when you go to your office and you like the people you work with and make, you could yes. do like, well, you know, so much more, you're capable of so much more. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's just really comforting in any workplace. And it's nice to know that this industry is not really that much different. Yeah, no, I, I've always felt, uh, you know, especially since, like I said, we all started doing our own thing and then like only fans came out and now it's like, well, I need content with other people more, you know, so we're just reaching out and collaborating and like, it just feels like more and more of a, of a family. I mean, especially here in Vegas. So it's a, it's a kind of a, not a huge city and all of us are, you know, we're either in LA or Vegas, but we're spread around the country too, but like concentrations are here, you know, and um, it's just so easy to like reach out to someone on Twitter and be like, Hey, I'd love to collab with you. Let's get together. We do a little sex stuff or a little fetish stuff. And then we share the content and we've got what we need. And it's, it's all good. I mean, it's great. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And so you make content with your partner. I, I feel like yeah. you do, right? Okay. So yeah, yeah. And- Mostly work with, uh, so for other companies and stuff like that, I work with women exclusively. Um, and then when my partner and I started, uh, sort of working together and I was like, do you want to do this? And he's like, let's give it a try. You know, so (laughs) we shoot with each other. Um, we'll bring in another girl or, or whatever. We just make all the content together. Um, and I still do work for other companies sometimes, like when they want to hire me and, and pay my rate and stuff like that. So mainly here. <laughs> That's great. One of the questions that people asked was um, how 
working in the porn industry would affect your sex and relationships or like in your, how it affects like your private dating life. So how long have you guys been together? Do you feel like before or now, or, you know, how did it affect you? (laughs) Yeah. So when I first started in the industry, I was, you know, 18 ish and I was dating a guy and we were in a serious relationship that lasted for nine years. I told him, you know, before, I think on our first date ever, I was just like, I want to be a stripper and this is what I want to do. I wasn't quite doing it yet, but I was just like, this is who I am and what I want with my life, you know? And so he still, you know, got in a relationship with me. Um, and when I started stripping, he's just like, okay, well just don't get caught up in it. And it's fine with me. You know, he had nothing to stop me from doing it. And then when I started getting into videos, it was like, you knew I wanted to do this. So you know, he never really had anything to say about it, but that perpetuated the whole nine years. Like he mm. just did not care. Like he, he was happy to enjoy the prosperity. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but he would never want to hear about it. I couldn't be, go home and be like, oh my gosh, I had this amazing scene with this wonderful girl and it was blah, 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 blah. Like if I tried, he'd just be like, oh, cool. He just wasn't like he he didn't want me to stop or ever tell me, you know, like you can't do that, but mm-hmm. he just wasn't like supportive. Got it. So when I finally was able to leave that relationship, I met my current partner 4 months later. Jeez. Wow, that was <laughs> fast. That's so lucky. I know. Well, it's, you know, I to be honest, I was like 27 and I was single for the first time in my life as an adult. I mm-hmm. I had wanted a little more like mess around single kind of time, time. <laughs> yeah. but like I have absolutely no regrets I mean we 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 honestly tried to not fall in love with each other and we just couldn't fucking help it so, <laughs> so sweet. but like I feel like it was right when we met we met at Coachella and I feel like one of the first things he said was like so what do you do for a living and I'm like oh, I'm a lesbian porn star and he's like really that's so cool <laughs> I love it yeah <laughs> And so from there, it was just like his, you know, enthusiastic response already made me feel like safe. And Mm -hmm. from there, it was like, we just kind of started dating and he was never like not enthusiastic about it. And then when things got really serious, it was just like, do you want to try webcamming with me? Like, cause his cock is beautiful and he's very attractive (laughs) and everything works great. So I was like, why not? Let's try this. The only reason I didn't do boy girl with my previous partner was because he just like didn't want to do it at all (laughs) so but now I have now I you know had this boyfriend who was like good looking and like great cock and like really into it so we started webcamming and then um everything just like grew from there and you know had a unified life and you know now we've been married since 2015 and just soulmates so (laughs) so it's hard for it's hard for me to talk about that because I've only had like two relationships. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but still for both of them to be, even though your ex was not like supportive for both of your partners to be like, not in opposition of it. Yeah. Yeah. Not so shabby. Yeah. And I mean, and it's lucky for sure. And I also have a different situation because I don't work with men. And so I kind Mm -hmm. of understand how, things might be different for partners of women who do work with men. And so it's a, it's a, it's a tough line. I imagine that dating 
would be somewhat difficult um, because just ego and insecurity. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what? In like, like most things in dating, I would imagine it has more to do with just finding the right person. Of course. And the right person will make room for, you know, every facet of your life, regardless of what it is. So exactly. And those people are out there. And uh, aside from that, too, a lot of people just in the industry end up getting together. So Mm -hmm. and and yeah, that's definitely easier because there are just so many things that you understand, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, to have someone that like fully understands and isn't going to like have problems with your life. That's, that's ideal for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One of the other questions that we got that I think was one that I got the most often in that question box Mm -hmm. was how much of what you're doing is fake. I think some of it, I think a lot of the questions were like specifically in regards to orgasming, like how much of that is fake. Now me personally, since age Mm -hmm. is, uh, Kind of like one of the things that I am known for is my authentic performances. So people will say to me all the time, Twitter, email, OnlyFans, whatever. When I watch you, it doesn't look like you're acting. It looks like Mm -hmm. you're really enjoying what you're doing. And it's funny because like I still call them performances, but it's like this fine line of just like I'm aware there's a camera and I'm aware that I'm making entertainment. But I'm also like enjoying what I'm doing. I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. So to me, like when I think about my performances and when I think about going and being on set or doing whatever, like I don't think about it as acting. I think about the acting part as acting. Like if I have lines to say and stuff, that's the acting. But when I do the sex scene, it's like now I'm having sex with someone who's hot and I'm stoked mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> But like, I feel like the performance part is just being aware of kind of like where the camera is, not looking at it, just like it's it's a sixth sense you kind of pick up after a number of years. Being aware that you are making entertainment. So, you know, just give it a, throw a little extra spice on it. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, but that, like, I feel like some people take that too far with their performances and then they get that real fake sounding vocalizations right. <laughs> and yes. I feel like people just see right through that shit like they know it's fake mm-hmm. and you have some consumers who don't care they're just watching it for five minutes and jerking off and then like clicking off and they'll never look at it again but you have a lot of other people who are just very turned off by that because they invest in these in these performances you know so with that with that authenticity you know I can can only speak for myself and some, you know, a lot of the other performers that I work with who I know are also like kind of the same way and just give these really authentic performances and like love having these sex with these people. And, you know, I, I feel like there's not a lot of fakeness in there, but orgasms are such a different story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, like I feel that the goal is always like, if I can make the other person have a real orgasm, like fucking Yahtzee. Like I'm so Mm -hmm. happy. I want that. That's my goal. Right. But I'm also realistic. And I know that even for male performers too, for them, it's obviously so much more pressure and you can get all up in your head. And, and so for them, it's like, you have to see that orgasm. There's a Mm -hmm. physical manifestation of their orgasm (laughs) for women. You know, we don't have that, which I'm grateful for. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
but so without, I don't want to give away too many secrets when it comes to the orgasm question. What I want to say is for me, it's not fake. Like this, Mm -hmm. the experience, the sexual experience I'm having with my partner in a scene is not fake. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's what's most important. Um, Even in, in my personal life, in my real life, I don't feel that every that for a sexual encounter an orgasm is necessary to make it a success that like Mm -hmm. I haven't had a good time if I didn't have an orgasm you know what I'm saying I agree completely yeah I think even taking that off like off the table sometimes helps to have more fun because when the goal it's like it's the whole thing about like the journey it's about the journey and not the destination it's so true because if you're so focused on getting to the end like what are you even doing in the middle you don't even know what you're doing you're not exploring yeah you're not not taking your time and you're missing all the good stuff and you're putting this pressure on yourself as this goal like I've Mm got to get there for this person so they know that they're making me feel good it's like just Mm -hmm. say you're fucking feeling good and tell them what to do something different or whatever Mm -hmm. and if you don't if you don't come, like, that's okay. Are you having fun? Does it feel good? You know, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on orgasms. And I say like, in my experience, especially from men, um, I think they feel like if you didn't have one or you didn't have like a huge one, then like, oh, I must have not done a good job or whatever. It's like, no, just like take that pressure off and just like have fun and feel good. So again, Orgasm always as like something that would be wonderful to have mm-hmm. and definitely happens. Um, some women are extremely orgasmic and they're coming like 10 times in a scene, you know? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Like, and some women are less orgasmic. And so maybe they're not having real orgasms in the scene, but they are feeling really good and enjoying what they're doing. So mm-hmm. That would be sort of like my answer to the orgasm question. (laughs) I think that's a great answer without giving away too many secrets. That's a great answer. And it's a good lesson for everyone's personal sex lives. Absolutely. Always about the journey and not the destination. Yes. Because if it was about the destination all the time, we would all just like use vibrators and go to bed. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, if if you see see a magic wand, a Hitachi magic wand in a scene, I guarantee you those are real orgasms. Yes. (laughs) Points have been made. Points have been made. Yes. (laughs) Right. But that's the thing. Like, you don't want every scene to just be, like, sitting there with a Hitachi and, like, hey, why not? You know? Right. Like, that's not fun. I could do that at home. Exactly. (laughs) They did ask, they wanted to know how often you work. And so now you make your own schedule so you can really whenever you want to. So I could, you know, if I was a workaholic and Mm -hmm. a hustler and I really wanted to push myself and stress myself out even more, like I could work, you know, every day. Yeah. Um, I don't want that for my life. (laughs) About the journey and not the destination yet again. Exactly. (laughs) You know, I'm about like traveling and having experiences in my life that are like not work related. So Mm -hmm. I I make a lot of time for that. (laughs) Yeah. But I work, I I do want to say, I I feel like I work a little bit every day, whether I'm like posting something on Twitter or uploading a photo to my Instagram or going on my OnlyFans and like answering the DMs, um, posting the content on my OnlyFans, like Mm -hmm. a little bit of something 
almost every single day. But then I've got like my work days where it's like, maybe I have to go through my hundred emails in my inbox and like weed through the, um, the customs inquiries and give Mm -hmm. them prices and think in my head, like, okay, can I shoot with that model? When are they available? What day can we get together to make customs or whatever? And then, you know, sometimes like I'll get Skype sessions, like camming things or Mm -hmm. whatever. So, you know, um, sometimes I'm doing that more often, like shooting customs maybe once or twice a week. And then, and then, the season changes and like now I'm only shooting customs, you know, like once or twice a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that can change again. So yeah, like work. It's sort is, of just like the ebb and flow of like every entrepreneur's exactly like, yeah. work life. Like sometimes yeah. it's busy and, and sometimes it's a little slower and you sort of yeah. manage, I feel like accordingly. And sometimes like, I'll have a day where I get really focused and I'm like, today's the day I'm going to go through all these customs in my inbox and try Mm -hmm. to turn some of them into payments for the videos. And then I schedule the shoot day. And sometimes I'm really good about doing that. So I get a lot of those going. And other times I'm focusing on like other stuff that's going on in my life or things I Mm -hmm. want to do, or I'm focusing on um, content trades rather than custom videos. So I do a lot of that as well. So maybe in those months I'm, shooting, you know, a couple times a week, but it's not like a custom video that I have to like line by line, make sure I'm doing it all the way they want. Um, There's like more freedom. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, like probably the number one thing I love about being an entrepreneur in this sense and running my own business in this sense is 100% the freedom Mm -hmm. over my own life. And I kind of like ache a little bit for, you know, people that have to do like an, I'm to say, you know, a normal job where it's like, if you want time off, you have to, mm-hmm. please boss, can I have some time off, you know? And then they're like, well, maybe, but then I'm going to cut your hours over here, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like it's such a horrible way for a society to run because I'm like, you have like this much time to be alive and experience mm-hmm. life on this planet. And your work is just going to take that away from you. And then, well, now you've got this much time. And you had to, though, because you need money to live the life. So I just feel like sex workers in general have found this, like, loophole out of that particular way of life. And I feel like a lot of the hate that we get comes from the fact that we have figured that thing out and we're okay with it. And so... There's a lot of um, jealousy, bitterness, yeah, yeah. <laughs> jealousy and <Yeah>. bitterness. <laughs> well, because not everybody could could do it for like a variety of, of reasons. Course. Oh my gosh! Even course. just like being an entrepreneur, like not everybody can do that. But then also yeah. putting yourself out there. Like there's so many people yeah. who DM me who have trouble trouble like opening up in their own like private sex lives. Yes. Um, doing it publicly is yeah. like it really is. like a talent and a specialty and something that like you have to be like naturally inclined to do for sure like people who are exhibitionists already or nudists Mm -hmm. already or you know and they're just comfortable with these things and I fully recognize that like listen this job is not for everybody (laughs) absolutely not and that's totally understandable but I do wish there were more ways for people to like sort of achieve that that kind of freedom yeah 
And, but yeah, I mean, so even being an entrepreneur, at least being the one who's like the boss of whatever it is that you do, you know, it's Mm -hmm. nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you have the, the added like specialty of, of doing, making content that's also kink related too. So how did you get into the kink space and do you feel like it's like added to the content you make or even like your personal sex life? You don't have to answer that if you don't feel comfortable. I'm fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Do you feel like it's created like a big value add for you in those spaces? Well, I will just say like when I started in the industry, uh, kink was like the first shit that I ever did. Really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, it was like easier to get into that. I actually like was, I had to meet the right people to even like get the mainstream porn work. Wow. That's why even though I've been doing it since 2003, uh, whatever forms of sex work, but I didn't start getting like really popular till like 2007, eight. That's when I started like actually working a lot, making like porn, mainstream lesbian mm-hmm. porn. Prior to that, I would do it occasionally, but it was just like, I wasn't meeting the right directors and producers and stuff like that so because the fetish stuff was just really easy to get into um the way I got into is I went to uh, the ADN convention in Vegas in 2003 and I walked around you know dressed cute being young (laughs) and I think I had like a business card and I was just like looking at different booths uh I think they were cheaper and like easier to access back then maybe but Um, Just go up and it was like, oh, here's, you know, girlfriends films. Well, they make lesbian content. That's what I'm trying to do. So here's my card. Nice to meet you. I'm Sensage, you know. And then when I came back, I got a call for a fetish company. And it was like, you know, some bondage stuff that's like very hard to post now. But it was called, it's like chloroform stuff. It's like uh, getting knocked out, um, eye rolling, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Sleepy, we call it sometimes. Hypno. So like looking at a thing and like getting hypnotized Mm -hmm. and then yes, master shit and doing what you're told and stuff. Um, and maybe like some foot fetish stuff. And so that was, I believe that was my first shoot ever. And I kind of went from there. Like I did a lot of spanking stuff, got, got really in with the spanking people, some bondage stuff because I've been curious about that shit since high school for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew, I just knew I was into like the aesthetic of it. I was always really like gothic. So anything that was like vinyl or buckles or zippers or. I already know that if you had a Tumblr account, I would have followed you on it. Oh yeah. (laughs) I got a lot of fans from Tumblr. (laughs) Yeah. And then like my stuff was all over Tumblr, like gay Tumblr. But yeah. I'm sure it was all over gay Tumblr. (laughs) Hell Yeah. So for me, yeah. And then my first uh, ever sex scene was a company that I had approached at AVN and um, they were called Gwen Media and it was a lot of latex. So it was like latex, um, bondage, spanking, you know, like fetish like that, light fetish. And um, yeah, they hired me to do a couple girl girl scenes in a movie wearing latex and some spanking and just sex and it was fucking great. So I kind of like, I feel that, you know, I was very subby when I first got into the industry. I was experiencing all these things that I had been curious about and wanted to try. Now I was 18, 19, 20, 21, and I got to do these things. Like if I hadn't gotten into the adult industry, it would have been so much more difficult to have these experiences, you know, especially in a, in a way that feels safe. Um, yeah. And then after doing that for a number of years, probably around 
07, 08, I was like, you know, I think I want to try to be the one who is dominating over these other girls because sometimes I'd be having these scenes where I'm like, well, okay, this girl is dominating me and like, it's all right, but it would be better if she was doing it like da, da, da. And so I'm like, I think why I can do da, da, da. You know what I mean? You were and like backseat driving the whole thing. Yeah. And so things kind of shifted. And I mean, that when you talk to anyone who's like into kink and stuff like that and fetish, like the best doms are people who have a lot of experience subbing because they know mm-hmm. what it's like to be there. That's how I, you know, got into kink in the industry and everything. And then I had a spanking website for a while because I got a big juicy butt. Um, (laughs) It was good for for a while. I think that shut down around 2013 or so. But so now uh, it's it's just because I worked with so many different people, uh, people who had their own just like clips for sale stores and stuff like that. So many different kinds of fetishes, like, girl, there are so many fetishes. <laughs> and you when you think you've seen them all, like you <laughs> there's no one. new one pops up. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's cool about making custom videos is so mm-hmm. whereas like someone might get a customer request and they're like, oh, can you make this video that's like, you know, you're getting knocked out with a rag, like you're pretending like it's chloroform, and they might be like, Oh, that's so weird. Like, I don't even get that. Why? You know. I'm like, oh shit, I've done that a thousand times. I know exactly what you're like, you're good. You're like, get me my rag. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I've got the rags and the little like containers that, you know, are supposed to have the chloroform in it and, mm-hmm. you know, flashing lights for like hypno stuff and whatever. So it's just that I have all that experience and it's helped me mainly in the custom video market to know these things because people are so individualized in what they want and it's very, it can be very niche. And so my experience with all of that for so many years is like, I get these people's fetishes. When they're asking me for something like that, I know exactly what they're asking for. So Mm -hmm. I can deliver. And like one thing for sure too about making custom videos is that like, when I get them, I read everything the person said and asked for. And I'll write them back. And if it's something that I can't do for them, I'll say, I can do this and this, but I I can't do that thing you asked for. And then they're so much more grateful than if I just say like, yeah, give me the money. And then I just do what I want with the video and I throw in some of what they asked for. Like, no, I do Mm -hmm. what they ask for and I don't do things that they specifically said not to do. And so like one of the main feedbacks that, that I get from my customers is like, wow, you actually did everything I asked for. So I guess there's a lot of people out there not doing that, but right. to me, it makes it even easier. Like the more you write for me, then it makes my job easier. <laughs> right. Right. You don't, have, you don't have to guess very much. You know, exactly. your success rate is going to be high. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's one of the things that I also feel like I'm kind of gathering is that it, um, we heard the word like collaborating, like it feels more like a collaboration than it does feel like you're, you know, so isolated performing for people who are just paying you and it's sort of like transactional and it feels more like you're working together and you're building this content that's but per request. And it brings back a lot of the humanity of the whole experience too, which is like, yeah, totally. Like it all just comes back to it all being like part of our whole human experience. Yeah. I'll even say that to them afterwards I'll be like oh thank you so much I I look forward to working with you again Mm -hmm. and it's just because they sent me what they wanted we went back and forth like get getting that nailed down and then like we are here we produce the thing we give it to them you know to me that is like 
you're working with me to make your fantasy come true on video, Mm -hmm. you know? And again, like talking about just sex work in general, it's just like the fact that so many people think that like this isn't a valid or valuable part of our life's experience is to me shows that like they're lacking a lot of empathy because there are so many people who don't get physical touch, don't have like these types of interactions um, or even sexual interactions or whatever in their life. And so this is like the, this type of stuff, whether it's like touch at a strip club, whether it's like a se- uh, in-person full service sex worker, whether it's communicating with a porn star online or watching their videos, like this can make people feel something that they're not getting in their life that mm-hmm. they need, but they feel shame expressing that need. That's what I think is sad and tragic. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm sure that especially in the fetish space, you feel that where like these, there are people who oh, yeah. are asking for things that they don't feel like they can ask anywhere else. And there's a lot of shame surrounding that. And it's nice to be able to something that is, you know, it's, it's your livelihood, but it also is yeah. like something that you, you're like, Oh, I can like, I can absolutely do that for you yes. and take this sort of like the shame away from it and yeah. actually give them what they're asking for. Yes. That's so like powerful for, for yeah. people who want to just, they just want to see this one thing and you yeah. can safely do that for them. And even if it's something that I wouldn't do, like something that I don't do, like, let's just say farts or something. Like I personally don't do that, but lots of other people do. And even if they ask me like, can you make this farting video? I'm not going to write back and be like, ew, you're so gross. Don't ever talk to me again. I'm going to be like, sorry, like I don't do that, but um, I hope you find someone who will do it for you. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to shame them for the thing they like that doesn't hurt other people. That's all I fucking care about. If you enjoy something and someone agrees to do that thing with you and no one's getting hurt by it, I just don't see the problem. <laughs> I feel the you know? same exact way. People ask me about foot fetishes of all the ones. Like it's a very like vanilla fetish to have, but yeah. <laughs> come on. Um, <laughs> and they were like, is that, is it okay to have a foot fetish? I was like, if you're not hurting anybody, I don't give a crap what you do. Exactly. I don't care. Why would I care? Exactly. I not my business. Yeah. Yeah. Come on all the toes it's okay. Want. It's all okay. <laughs> as long as you're not causing harm to other people, you know, that's, that's exactly, exactly. Animal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. One of the last questions I'll have for you is how this industry may have affected your mental health. Like, do you find that it's challenging to be part of an industry where you feel like people are like maybe judgmental or do you feel like that doesn't really happen as often as it may seem? Mm. So within the industry, we're really good at like insulating ourselves from mm-hmm. The, the shame and the toxicity of the way the a lot of you know outside world or mainstream looks at us so we're we're so we're very like supportive of each other and things like that you know um, many of us either make enough money or have access to be able to make more money um, enough to live you know comfortably like without fear of losing um, you know, our car or our house or whatever. Of course, this is me speaking from a place of privilege. I know there are sex workers who struggle with those things, but, and, and struggle with mental health. But I, I think that the mental health is, you know, just a separate from the work that we do sometimes, most of the time. So for me, like I've, I've always been pretty healthy, 
with my mental health. You know, I, I struggle more with the way neoliberal capitalist society in this country has been constructed. <laughs> Those things fuck with my mental health. <laughs> Just small things. Yeah. <laughs> That's honestly the perfect way to answer that question. You're like, do you think I'm stressed about this? Do you yeah. see what's going on out there? Yeah. Like this is all great and good. Like this is my happy place. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but I think part of that is like is like the one of the for the ways we started this conversation was you said people get into this industry because they want to be here. Most people get into Mostly, this industry yeah. because they want to be here. Yeah. So I think the assumption is is sometimes that people start sex work because they didn't have any other option, and that's the only reason. And then people yeah. start to think it's sort of like a mental health spiral, which yeah. I can't imagine a person getting into this industry for the money only would really even be very successful Successful. in it. Because like you said, like people want to watch you having fun. And like, I I would imagine if this is upsetting or stressful, it would not, it would not be fun to watch. Well, and that's going to come across, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, look, we like to deny this, but human beings, we are all very sensitive to vibrations. And when you're watching something you can feel that vibration. You're like, these people don't really like each other and you can Mm -hmm. feel that discomfort, you know? And so again, I I agree that I don't think that there's a lot of success or longevity with people who, when that happens. Um, So, you know, yeah, I mean, I can only speak for myself and my experiences. And for me, this is a career. I'm not Mm going to be like, changing it up at some point and later in my life, like this is, this is it for me. Um, and I might change like the way I do things or the things I do, but like, this is my career. I chose it and I have never regretted it. And so, you know, when I, when, if I do feel mental health struggles, like they're almost never, never related to my job right. or my work. And I feel very like confident in in my career I feel proud of the work that I do because I do get so much feedback from fans and customers and like I've made my goal to be again like we talked about shame earlier I want to help eradicate that shit I want to help eradicate shame around human sexuality um and I want and I want to be like a beacon of hope for queer people like I want queer people to be coming out of the closet with pride and joy. And um, so I try to, I'm always like trying to inspire people to be happy with who they are as a person and to not feel ashamed for the things they like or, you know, any of that stuff. And I feel very like energized by that and positive about that. And so yeah, like I, uh, I, I don't have those struggles. <laughs> and most of the people that I know that I work with, it's very much the same. They might be like, this isn't my forever thing, but I'm happy to like get it while I can. And, you know, there's a lot of joy in this business. And I think people try to erase that. And um, that's, yeah. that fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree. And it's, it's, <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine a better note to end on than that. Cause that was beautiful. I was literally like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but that's, that's a big part of like, of why I got into 
the sex education space is similar reasons. Like I, I want to help release some of that shame for people and create those like safe havens for people. And like, I'm obviously I'm like the most boring vanilla, like non, I'm like the most mass person. So, so I'm, I'm so happy to like embrace and lift people up who have all different types of platforms and pull everybody in to the circle because I want it to feel inclusive. And I want like people of all different types of walks of life to feel like they, they're included, you know? So, yeah. And I wish we just had better sex education. Like I wish it was okay to teach, you know, very young kids about their mm-hmm. bodies and what to expect. Mm-hmm. I wish it was okay to teach, you know, adolescents, like puberty age kids, like what to expect with their body and their feelings. And like, I wish it was okay to teach, you know, teenagers about consent and what it means and like really empower them. And it's just so tragic that that wanting to educate young people in this way is being <laughs> twisted into like grooming or something at this point. And it's just more, more shame, more sadness, more misunderstandings, more people growing up and going out into the adult world without knowing how to say no, knowing what it means when someone says no, just being able to like communicate about these things. It seems pretty simple. Uh, and yet, We've got to make it this horrible. It's crazy. And there's evidence. There's like mountains of evidence to show that when you teach children the names of their body parts, instead of being like your pregnant parts, if you teach a girl what her vagina is or what her vulva is, the the likelihood of things like sexual violence drastically goes down. And if you teach people how to safely have sex and use contraceptives. Those are the places where teen pregnancy drastically goes down. And all of these places where it's not part of their, like their state programs to teach people anything aside from um, abstinence. abstinence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then those are the states that have crazy high rates of teen pregnancy. I I don't understand. It just seems very black and white. If they want us to not have abortions, then you should teach us how to not get pregnant. Like, <laughs> just, but like, oops, you're, like, you're, no. you're pregnant because I didn't teach you how to do it. Oops, you also can't abort it. What do you yeah. mean? <laughs> what do you mean? And I, oh, and wow. like, there's, we can go down a whole black hole about how I think it's a whole conspiracy theory that they're trying to keep our population high so that capitalism continues. But that's a whole other thing for all of the With you on that. <laughs> I firmly believe that. I don't trust yep. any of these people any longer. Nope. Shouldn't. We, we, shouldn't. Just, wanna, we just want to have safe, safe sex in peace. Yeah. We want to celebrate our bodies and our lives and our joys and what feels good. And I mean, even mm-hmm. if you are a religious person, even if you are someone who believes in God, it's like, why would he not want that? <laughs> I'm just like, I can't wrap my head I, Right. <laughs> Didn't he right. design our bodies and our minds? to want to enjoy these things and then we have we have body parts that are literally their only function is to feel pleasure Pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah so it's wild and you know I do want to say like I kind of can I consider myself somewhat of a sex educator as well just because of my experience of 20 years Mm -hmm. doing like having sexual experiences with just so many different types of people and bodies and um everything I've learned from that 
Mm-hmm. A lot of people learn sex education from watching porn, which is all yes. the more reason to seek out creators that you like yeah. and that are that you can first of all pay for their content, but also especially when it comes to things like the kink space, because then you'll see a little bit more of like what that realistically is like, where you're not always guaranteed like the same level of realism if you're going to get it in like a free sort of unregulated space. And I do want to say too, since we're talking about this a little bit, that your children are going to watch porn 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, like, nah, they don't need to know about porn, right? Unfortunately, the world we live in now is that their friends are going to put it in front of their faces. They're going to talk about it. They're going to share it. They have access to it. That's just how it is. So part of a comprehensive sex education, like at high school age, should 100% be let's talk about porn. And so Mm -hmm. since since no school is ever going to fucking do that, parents need to talk to their kids about porn because what's important about that is that like is basically you'd say to your kid like when you see this stuff you need to know that you're watching a movie just like when you watch i use terminator as an example for this but it's like you know so no it's not okay for you to pick up a gun and go blasting at you know maybe what you think are aliens or something like Mm -hmm. that shit is not real And so a lot of porn is like, uh, as Dan Savage would call it, you know, varsity level kinks and things like this, where it's like, these are professionals, like they have Mm -hmm. training, they do this for a living. And so they're going to be doing things that like you should not be doing with your partners in high school. You know, you're going to have sex for the first time. Don't choke your girlfriend. Like she doesn't want that. I promise you. (laughs) That was such a thing in, in like, high school and college, I was like, get your damn thumb off my trachea. Yeah. Yeah. Who and tell you this. <laughs> yeah, because they're just seeing like guys pounding at girls, spitting in their faces, mm-hmm. choking them while they're fucking them. I'm like, that is not how you have sex with someone for the first fucking time. And that is not mm-hmm. what girls want. <laughs> you know, right. maybe they will want that. And after you are in a relationship with someone or you have sex a few times with someone and she can say to you, or you can ask her, do you want this type of thing? And she can tell you yes. And that's consent. But just assuming that like, this must be how girls want to get fucked. Like that's so damaging and scary and detrimental. And so like, that's why I just think it's very, very important for parents to talk to their kids about porn from this point moving forward, it's like, yes, it's there and they're going to see it. Yes. Agreed. All right. I think we should wrap up, but I want to know what your final sort of thoughts are, because like I said, like my, my audience is sort of like, this is the way that I described it before was like, you're kind of, we're kind of lifting the veil for a lot of people who I think don't have as much exposure. So do you have any other final words that you would like to share? And then plug all of your plug all of your places we can find you. Okay, cool. You know, the main thing is, is I, I think that like, as long as everything is being done in a healthy way, and people like what they're doing, you know, porn and adult work and sex, it's like a celebration of what it means to be alive, you know. And so I just want to say, like, when these narratives are talking about trafficking, you know, that's just a hit word that they found, 
you know, or like, what about the children? You know, it's always going to be, can we take your rights away because we've got these children to think about, you know? And it's like, don't fall for that shit. Like we're not being trafficked. We did choose this. And most of us like very much enjoy it and don't want it to be taken away. So there's that, you know, don't like feel sorry for us. Okay. We're doing good. And, and just like, please, can I urge you once again, when you hear the term ethical porn, what that really means is just like find the creator, find the performer you like, see what they're creating and give them some of your money to enjoy their work. And that is like the best way you can be ethical. Some companies have sort of taken on that term as like part of their branding. Uh, You should be wary of that, I think. Supporting individual creators is probably the best thing that you could do and the most ethically you could consume adult entertainment. (laughs) Love it. And where can we find you and everything you create? Yeah. So first place to start would be sin-sage.com. That's my personal website. Uh, It's not a pay site. So there will, you'll find information about custom videos. You'll find the feature films that I'm uh, releasing, the indie porn films that I'm releasing. Uh, You will find um, access to my clip stores, which would be many vids and clips for sale. I have both of those stores and you will also find a link to my OnlyFans, which I would just love for you to join me on my OnlyFans. It's a very low price and I post content every single day. I reply to all my own DMs. I do a live stream every Friday night and we have just such a wonderful group of people in that live stream. Like I love them so much. And that is OnlyFans.com slash SinSage. So a lot of my effort goes into my OnlyFans for sure. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. And I am I would love to do this again sometime because I feel like we have so much more to discuss. Oh, um, yeah. but I appreciate you taking the time and answering everybody's questions. And I just have had such a lovely time chatting. Yay. Uh, my pleasure. Absolutely. And anytime. I'd be happy to, to talk with you again. <laughs> Yay. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I loved it. I hope you loved it. And if you would like to be included in a future episode, you can send your questions about anything related to sex, relationships, plain old life, life stuff. You can send those questions to Alyssa explains it all pod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Questions can be anonymous if you'd like, but if you'd like a little shout out, that's also fine. I'd love to have you all included. So send us an email. I will also put that email address in the bio of my Instagram. So send those questions away. Can't wait.